so funny. There, uh, there's been tears in our house today. The stress before, and did we get enough? Did we do enough? Uh, and we have a privilege to gather tonight and to try to slow down and remember what in the world is it that we're doing here. Um, it's, in, it's interesting because the, I think the Christmas holiday is this way. And much of Christianity is this way. It's so unexpected. Christmas itself, uh, this child who would come, we're told is God with us, who would come near and make his home with us, and yet the birth took nearly every expectation, every preconceived notion we had and flipped it on its head. Our expectations were so different from the reality. And just a basic outline of the story. Uh, we expected a king, and we received a baby. And that can be disorienting if you're expecting someone to come and rule and power and might and overthrow governments and politicians, and you receive a baby. And not a baby born in a gold marble palace, but who's laid in a manger and wrapped in rags. We expected a king and we received a baby. We expected a ruler and received a refugee. The first years of Jesus' life were humble and dangerous, and he was living on the run in a country that was not his own. We expected a revolution, and we received a crucifixion. And then maybe most surprisingly, as his friends expected a funeral, and they received a resurrection. The Christmas, and Christmas Eve in particular, I don't know what it is about this service. Maybe it's because it's late and we're all tired. Um, it just feels like we can slow down for a minute uh, and remember that God is often not what we would expect. Remembering the unexpected nature of God's salvation, I think, can give us incredible hope, which I think is a scarce commodity these days. The birth of Jesus, the life of Jesus, the death of Jesus, the resurrection of Jesus, if that's too much of a mouthful for you to say, you can just say Jesus. Uh, Jesus assures us that God is near, that he is involved. God is with us. In, our, in the service earlier we had today, five minutes before the service started, a lady came up to me and said, will you, will you pray for me? I just got a phone call that my uncle died earlier today. And that's just not an unusual experience for many of us. I don't know what your year was like, but I would be shocked if some part of it wasn't unexpected. Something happened, and that wasn't how you planned your year to go. And there's a temptation when those things happen to think God's forgotten us, or that he's somehow far away or not involved. And Jesus assures us that God is near, and he's with us. And we also get to remind ourselves that God is at work even when we don't see how. Even when it feels like there is no way out. God is at work. To put it real simply, just because you don't see it coming doesn't mean the promise won't be fulfilled. So, while we have some slowness, I wanted to take just a few slow minutes and try to help us uh, maybe begin to hope again, just a little bit. Maybe we can carry a little bit of hope into this new year. Maybe we can turn on the dream machines a little bit. Um, those are the machines that you're born with. My daughter wants to be a ballerina, OBGYN, princess, mother of seven children. And that 
That all seems reasonable to her right now. She's got the dream machines. Something happens when we get older and we're afraid to hope. We're afraid to dream of a better life, a better me, a better world. And maybe what we need is to learn again how to rest in a God who so often works in unexpected ways. And I think the best way I can help us do that is to call our minds back to some of the richest promises of God. As a church, for the last several weeks, we've been looking at these promises from the book of Isaiah about this one who would be to come. So I want to spend a little time in Isaiah 65 tonight. Verse 17 opens with, Look, I'm creating new heavens and a new earth. No one will even think about the old ones anymore. There's a place coming for you that's so beautiful and so good that you will be entirely content and satisfied. I'll be honest, I really don't have a category in my life for contentment or satisfaction. There's always the next thing, that hunger for just a little bit more, something different. What this, what this text is saying is one day you will have a house that you enjoy so much that you'll never miss the one you grew up in. You, you'll, never, you'll be in a place where you, you'll never wish you could go back to your hometown again. Verse 18 says, look, and this isn't like a look, guys. It's, he's trying to say, look at the place. Can you imagine it? Can you see it? Look, I will create Jerusalem as a place of happiness. Her people will be a source of joy. You guys, have any been in New Albany long enough to remember when the town slogan was the sunny side of Louisville? You guys remember that? It was, like, was there more a defeatist, insecure town slogan? <laughs> I always thought it'd be like if I'm naming a pizza shop like a little cheaper than Domino's or something like that, you know. I think in this New Jerusalem, you know, the town slogan is going to say, New Jerusalem, happiness. We'll be happy there. Joy will mark her people. Steady happiness that's shared, that's given to one another. Your neighbors will make your life better. You won't avoid people anymore. Your brothers and sisters will be a source of delight to you. It starts getting a little more personal. Verse 19 says, The sound of weeping and crying will be heard in it no more. I am, some of us did a lot of crying this year. And I want you to remember tonight that all of your tears are temporary. Crying is something we only get to do for a short while and not much longer. And he, God, through Isaiah, talks specifically about the tears shed over our greatest enemy, which is death. Verse 20, he says, No longer will babies die when they're only a few days old. No longer will adults die before they've lived a full life. Our tears will be gone in part because death will be gone. Our tears will be gone because so much of the frustration of our lives will be gone too. Verses 21 through 23. In those days, people will live in the houses they build. They'll eat the fruit of their own vineyards. Unlike the past, invaders will not take their houses and confiscate their vineyards. My chosen ones will have time to enjoy their hard-won gains. They will not work in vain. I know some of those promises. You're like, oh man, finally, no one will confiscate my vineyards. The essence of what this is saying is your work won't be in vain anymore. You'll be safe. You won't have to worry about people stealing your stuff. 
You won't have a security system. You won't be worried about someone undercutting you at work. You'll be able to enjoy what you've earned and no one will steal it. Can you imagine enjoying your work all the time? Finding it satisfying? We will dwell with God. We will not die. We will enjoy our work. Can you see what's happening here in this promise? I think in each instance we could add the word again. There was a time when we dwelled with God. There was a time when we didn't die. There was a time when our work was satisfying and meaningful. And then all of it was cursed when we rebelled against God. Death, pain, suffering, frustrating work, all of this will be undone by the hands of God himself. And sometimes with Christianity, we stop there. We stop with Jesus will forgive you of your sins. And the promise it seems so sweet. It's like, why do I not read these verses more? I almost forget that this stuff is in the Bible. Look at what it says in verse 24. I will answer them before they even call to me. While they're still talking about their needs, I'll go ahead and answer their prayers. We don't have an angry God who's trying to keep us at arm's length and is just like, fine, I'll let you guys in. He delights in providing for his children. Even when you stumble through your prayers and you're not sure what to ask for and maybe you've been in a spot where you're not even sure what you need, he's like, hey man, don't even worry about it. I'm going to take care of you before you even know what you need to say. Jesus won't simply undo what's been done. He will bless you and he will keep on blessing you. Can you even imagine? Maybe you can feel some hope rising just a little bit. Maybe there's enough magic left at Christmas that the skepticism can go away or some of the cynicism can go away just for a little bit. If you feel any hope building in you, you can maybe get an idea of how absolutely devastating it felt when his friends laid love's pure light in a tomb. And then, as the song reminds us, bursting forth in glorious day, up from the grave he rose again. It was a short period of time where people really wondered, is the promise true? And then on the third day, there was no doubt remaining. The resurrection is God's guarantee that all of these promises will be true. And then after he ascends into heaven, Jesus speaks to one of his apostles and gives him a vision. And listen, tell me if these words sound familiar to you at all. This is what he says to the apostle John. Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes. There will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. He's, he's almost directly quoting this promise from Isaiah and says, this is what I am doing. So listen, Christmas is trying to shout at you that God is for you. God is not against you. God is for you. God is coming for you. He is relentless in his pursuit of you because above all, God loves you. He's making all things new again. So, if you have a little bit of hope in this moment, 
I want you to consider, how do you really want to change this year? Or maybe what pain do you long to be free from? What circumstance do you really want to see change? Maybe you can put words to it. Maybe all you have is an emotion or a feeling. To level with you, I don't know if God will give you what you want this year. I don't, I don't know how much you will change this year or in this life. I don't know all the ways that God will make a new heaven and a new earth. I don't know precisely what it will look like. I don't know how long it will take. and I don't know how long our lives are going to be while we're waiting for that day to come. But what I do know is that God keeps all of his promises. And tonight is a concrete reminder. Christmas gives us power to hope again. Whatever that longing is, if you've been able to name it, if you can feel it, turn that longing to Jesus. Say it to him. Share it to him. Take your longings and desires to the source of our hope, who is Jesus. So in just a few moments, your candles will be lit. And we'll join our voices and sing one of the sweetest, gentlest, yet most powerful songs that's ever been written, Silent Night. And there's a line in there that is so profound and easy to miss, where together, with candles in our hands, we will sing, Jesus, Lord, at thy birth. From the moment he showed up on the scene, he was Lord, the Lord of all, the Lord who is making all things new, who loves you and is coming for you. So I encourage you to turn your hope to him, turn your need to him, look to that future day and receive the power to hope again now. I wish you a very Merry Christmas. Thank you for being with us. Let's pray. Thank you for listening. Keep in touch with Sojourn New Albany on Facebook or download the free Sojourn Collective app for iPhone or Android where you can see our full library of sermon series audio and video, discussion questions, event calendar, ministries, and much more.